How is a person made right with God? Our text this morning is Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 28. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to hear your word, to be encouraged by your word once again, and to be doers of your word, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we moved out of one of the homes that we rented, our landlord arbitrarily and unjustly withheld our rental deposit. We pled with him personally and via writing to please be just and return what was ours and what was agreed to. But he refused all of our appeals, so we were forced to take our matter to court and to let a judge decide the matter on what was just and right. This Reformation Sunday morning, we'll see in the epistle to the Romans how one is made just and right before the great judge, Almighty God, as we ponder what it means to be justified. Justified. So first of all, let's see justification by law. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Romans chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 19. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, justification by law. And the Apostle Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law says speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So the question you might have is, what is the law that the Apostle Paul is referring to here? What is the law? Well, I think in a broader sense, it's the fullness of the Old Testament. If you go to the law of Moses... You go to those first five books of the law, and in particular going from Exodus forward, you will find 613 laws. 613 laws applied to a state, a theocratical state, which was what Israel was. It was a church state in completeness. Now, all those laws are application of what we call the Ten Commandments. And beyond that, there's ceremonial laws for sacrifices, but the fullness of it is drawn out through the Old Testament. If you look at the Old Testament, you will see how the law is to be applied. You will see how your attitude should be toward the law when you read things like the Psalms. As you read the narrative stories of the history of Israel, you will see the people of God working out the law of God, but not all these laws are applied equally to the Jew and Gentile alike. In fact, it's summarized in the Ten Commandments, what's known as the moral law. The Ten Commandments is the portion that is applied to all people everywhere. It's written on the hearts of men. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you will see something that probably everybody in the world would agree with to one degree or another. Has anyone ever lied? Has anyone ever put someone before God? Has anyone lusted after another man or woman in their hearts? Have they jealously desired someone else's property, not honored their father and mother? Even the Ten Commandments, this short summary of the law we see we cannot fulfill. Who has fulfilled the law of God perfectly? Nobody has. Nobody has in sinful flesh since the fall. And so you want to be justified by law? Going on to verse 20 in chapter 3. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, 
since through the law comes knowledge of sin. If you've wondered what the purpose of the law is, and in particular the moral law, the Ten Commandments, what is the purpose of it? The law is good and right, but its power is in revealing sin and imperfection. It shows us God's way versus human action. It shows us the perfect demands of God and our imperfections as we strive to justify ourselves by law. By doing the law, and it has to be done perfectly, God's not bringing down his standards. He's not winking at us and saying, okay, you tried hard. You know, maybe you did it 60, 70% of the time. No, God's perfect standard always stands and the law must be done in perfection, never breaking any of it. By doing the law perfectly, no one will be justified. That's a big word. That's an important word. That's a word that stands at the center of the Protestant Reformation. No one will be justified. And there, once again, we see that dikaio word family. Dikaio here in a verbal form. What does it mean? What does it mean to be justified? It means to be made righteous to be declared innocent, and in particular here, to be declared innocent and made righteous in God's sight, the works of the law do not justify. Justification by law is for the perfect and sinless. And if that's the case, the human race is doomed. When I purchased an inflatable boat, I had no idea what I was getting into. It was a used boat. The more I tried to repair the boat, the more leaks and damage appeared until I realized that boat was never going to sail. The man who thinks he can repair himself from the effects of the fall of mankind is like this. The more he tries to justify himself by works, the more he should realize that his project, justification by law, is never going to sail. So we've seen justification by law. Now let's see justification as gift. Justification as gift. Going on to verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now the law, we're told, through various parts of the epistles, the law is good, though its function is to reveal and to teach. To reveal and to teach. What's the law good for? What's the Ten Commandments, the moral law, good for? It is for us so that we might have things revealed and to be taught, but it has no power to justify. It has no power to declare right and to make one innocent before God. So what is the point of the law? It still applies. The law hasn't disappeared. God wants us to apply the law in our lives, but how do we do that? Well, theologians talk of the three uses of the law. Kids, listen up. The three uses of the law. What is the use of the Ten Commandments in our lives? Well, first of all, the first use of the law, the law is to reveal sin, reveal sin and to drive us to Christ. As you look at that list of the Ten Commands of God, as you think about it thoughtfully, you will very quickly realize that even this day, you've broken it, maybe all of it. We break those commandments over and over again. And if you're thoughtful about it, you realize God is holy. Be holy as God is holy. 
God is perfect, and God wants perfect adherence to that law. And as you look at those commands and realize that you break them all the time, you're going to be brought to a place of hopelessness and a realization that you will never fulfill it, and it will drive you to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has fully and perfectly fulfilled the law. So the first thing is to reveal sin and to drive people to Christ. But the second use of the law is for civil law. The Ten Commandments are good laws for society. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll see in essence that it's a good law to be applied everywhere in every culture. But in our culture in particular, in the Christianized West, what do you find? Maybe some of you have been to your local courthouses, and oftentimes there'll be a statue of Moses there, or a statue of the Ten Commandments on two tablets, as we see at our own Supreme Court. Those laws are good and apply well to make a just and moral society. So the second use of the law is for the civil law. But the third use of the law is how the justified believer should live. The law is not there for you to try to climb the ladder into heaven. The law is not there for you to try to do in order to be justified. But for those who are justified in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, The law shows us how we are to live. Household rules for the household of God. Now going on here, the Apostle Paul says, All have fallen. All break God's law. All therefore fall short of the glory of God. And then here we see the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. The dikaiosuni de theu. The righteousness of God comes how? Through faith. In Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who perfectly lived and perfectly died on our behalf. Verse 24 and 25. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The believer is justified made righteous, declared innocent. How? By God's grace as a gift through redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace, God's unmerited favor, as a gift through the redemption that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to put this in a different way, the same Apostle Paul who's writing the book of Romans says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that for a minute. We sinners, fallen, rebellious, never able to approach God through our works, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, who perfectly fulfilled the law on our behalf, who was sinless and went to the cross and paid for our sins as though he were a sinner, died and rose again on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and by the power of the Spirit, declares us righteous before God, and we become the righteousness of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's alien righteousness, as theologians say. It's outside of us. It's not as though we did something, but the Lord Jesus Christ covers us in his righteousness. And when the devil comes to you and says, sinner, you can say, yes, I am, but I am the righteousness of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the righteousness of God. Can I hear an amen to that? 
Jesus was put forward, we see here, as a propitiation. If you've wondered what propitiation means, the Greek word here is hilasterion. It means an offering that appeases and atones to be received by faith. Jesus was put forward to give up his life as the final priest and the final sacrifice, as an atoning sacrifice, that is, a sacrifice which satisfies. Perfect God-man, the only begotten Son of the Father, beloved of his Father, but sent into the world to die, to redeem the world, to redeem you and I, put forward as an offering that appeases and atones. It is a perfect sacrifice. It atones completely. Your sins are washed away in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second part of verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The gift of justification, a gift of grace by the grace of God is the anchor of salvation cast into the middle of history. The gift of justification by the grace of God is the anchor of salvation cast into the middle of the history. So you may wonder, how were the Old Testament saints justified? Well, this text tells us in his divine forbearance, God had passed over former sins. It wasn't as though he wasn't taking them into account, but it's as though he was storing them up. Those who lived in the old covenant times, their sins were stored up. And they were looking forward, though dimly, waiting and knowing. You see, the faithful person in the Old Testament knew dimly that I need to be covered. My sins don't make me righteous. I can't stand before God in the condition that I'm in. They're waiting and longing for a final sacrifice. The sins of the Old Covenant were passed over until the cross. And then the sins of the New Covenant have been propitiated ever since. The Old Covenant saints were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. They saw it as though they were looking through mist. But what do we see? New Covenant saints, we look back and we see what Jesus did. We see his perfections and his love. We see how he lived for us, how he died for us, how he resurrected for us and gives us the gift of justification. Declared right before God. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Martin Luther was a good strict priest. He afflicted himself for his sin. Be beating himself and sleeping on a stone slab in the winter, he was trying to be justified by works. But when he sought to find God's will and God's word, the Bible, the answer he got back was salvation is God's grace. Justification is a gracious gift. So we've seen justification as gift. Now let us see justification by faith. Going on to verse 27 of Romans chapter 3. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Friends, there is no place for boasting in the faith in regards to salvation. We can't boast about anything of ourselves. In fact, as some have said, the only thing we add to salvation is sin and resistance. We're always breaking God's law. The only way we're justified is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't look at ourselves, look at our background, look at our ancestry and point to things and say, yes, I boast in that in regards to salvation. 
No one can. For the Jew, he can't say, we are sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have the law and obey its commands, and even we have tradition in addition to this. They can't say that. But what about for us as Christians? What about for us as Presbyterians? We can't say, we have reformed theology. In other communions, we can't say, we have the seven sacraments and we worship in Greek or Latin, the holy language of God. There is no boasting for us in regards to salvation. The only thing we can boast in is the cross of Christ and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Paul says, we, the church, the people of God, hold that dikai ustai, piste anthropon. Dikai ustai, there's that word there, justification or justified. Piste, faith, and anthropon, man. A man is made and declared righteous by how? By faith, apart from works of the law. Now, it seems so easy, does it not? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But to believe is to trust in Christ and to rest in his finished work. He did all the hard work. We have to trust. The hard work's following, but it's easy in the sense that the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And when we get to the other side, we'll see how easy it really was, though we had blood, sweat, and tears here how much less than the work of Christ, the gift of God to us, and the gift of eternal life that he gives us. Salvation comes not by works of the law, but by justification by faith. We are saved by faith in Jesus and his finished work at the cross and his vindication at the resurrection. Jesus dies as the final priest administering the final sacrifice. And our sins are paid for and covered over. But there's more than that. On the third day, he rises from the dead to vindicate his work, to say that it was right and true. And then he ascends to the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes on our behalf, always covering our sins over, always strengthening us to walk through this world. What a deal. What a deal. Who would not take that deal? And yet so many will not. Will not bow the knee before King Jesus who offers justification by faith as a gracious gift. We are justified by faith. So back to my original story. We took our matter before the judge and he deliberated on it and declared that we were justified in the case and that our former landlord needed to return our deposit for that was just and right. Your matter is taken before the judge of all the earth. You, rebellious, fallen, imperfect sinner, will you be justified and declared right? The only way, the only way that this will happen is if you've been justified by faith in the sinless Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of the final prophet, priest, and king. The central aspect of the Protestant Reformation was to bring God's word back into the center of the life of the church and to take our focus off of ourselves and our pathetic efforts at self-justification, and to see once again that justification is all about Jesus, our supreme, superlative, perfect prophet, priest, and king. This Reformation Sunday morning, we've pondered anew from Romans what it means to be justified, 
Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be reminded and to live in light of justification by faith. Help us to be reminded once again of the great gift and the costliness of it for your Son. And help us to walk in the knowledge of that and desire to live in the light of it and to share this faith. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.